Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. Our broadcast today comes from our most recent MetaStrategy Digital Symposium, and the topic was Becoming an Artificial Intelligence Company. The panelists who spoke about that topic were Katya Walsh, the Chief Global Strategy and Artificial Intelligence Officer of Levi Strauss and & Company, and George Brady, the CIO of Lone Depot. The gentleman who led the conversation was MetaStrategy partner and West Coast lead, Chris Davis, who joins me now. Chris, welcome. Well, Peter, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, Chris, I noted a moment ago, the topic becoming an artificial intelligence company, certainly something a lot of organizations are striving to do now. Talk a bit about your own perspectives as to why we decided to, to cover it at this symposium and why Katya and George were well-suited to talk about it. Well, Peter, we want to make the topic becoming an AI company because we felt like on the heels of ChatGPT3 being released, there was an opportunity to seize on the momentum. Suddenly, the promise of AI was demystified for those who may be closer to its practical application. And at the same time, we don't want people to be pursuing AI for the sake of technology. So we wanted to recenter the conversation. How do you pursue innovation in the operations of your company? How do you compete efficiently and effectively at scale, but at a totally different paradigm? Where do you have opportunities to increase the value proposition within your existing products and services? And thirdly, and maybe most importantly, from an existential perspective, we need to examine what aspects of our business models are no longer viable when someone else can provide that similar value proposition, but at a totally different route to market. When they're using AI, when they don't have the headcount, when they don't have the expense, and they can learn and improve their offering faster than you can innovate in the old way of doing things. So I thought George and Katya could bring a practitioner's perspective of steps they've taken to educate their companies, upskill their talent, create pathways to test and build out AI capabilities in their industries. I'm sure our listeners will enjoy. Thank you. That's a great overview. Thank you, Chris. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, becoming an artificial intelligence company with Katya Walsh of Levi Strauss and Company, George Brady of Lone Depot, in conversation with MetaStrategy Zone, Chris Davis. I'm extremely excited to be joined by two great panelists this morning. Uh, I have Katya Walsh and George Brady. Welcome, Katya and George. Thank Thanks you, Chris. So we're here to talk about becoming an AI company. And uh, already in the session today, other folks have mentioned ChatGPT. This is in the news. And the interesting uh, fact that I, I read recently is that you're starting to see the discussion of AI creep more and more into conference calls for earnings of public companies. And anytime that happens, it starts to get buzzy. It starts to get exciting. And then everyone starts to get this momentum of, let's, let's go do it. What, how do I get involved? And Katya, you as the uh, Chief Global Strategy and Artificial Intelligence Officer of Levi Strauss, and George, you as the Chief Information Officer of Lone Depot, you have unique perspectives on how to dissect the hype versus the promise and where to start and how to actually pursue AI to drive the company strategy forward. And Katya, it's in your title, the Chief Strategy Officer and the Chief Artificial Intelligence Officer. And in prep for this dialogue, you, you really made the point that you can't pursue AI for the sake of the technology. There has to be some greater purpose to start this conversation. And, and I would love you to just share your thought process on, on how you in this very unique title and role go about thinking how ultimately to deploy AI in your organization at Levi's. 
First of all, let me share with you that I love the hype because it shows that we are now living in the age of the mainstreaming of AI. What a thrilling time to be in this field for all of us who are on this call. I remember those exact same moments that changed the world and the industry and society back in the 90s with the Mosaic web browser that really started to make the web and the internet an everyday channel. I remember the iPhone moment of 2007 that also changed the world with mobile. And I, I think we all remember uh, the days after that when social media began to gain popularity. So this is a fantastic time because AI is now reaching the masses. Of course, AI has been running the world for quite some time. We are all used to hailing an Uber <laughs> virtually through a mobile uh, app, which of course is powered by AI. That's how we know where the closest driver is and how far it's going and how much it will cost us. Of course, it's been running behind the streaming of Netflix and it's powering the growth of Amazon, but it's also now starting to take hold in legacy companies, in companies like the one I'm at, a 170 year old company. Now, one may say, what does AI have to do with a company that invented the blue jeans and is 170 years old? But the fact is, a company that has 170 years history has 170 years worth of data. And when you have so much data, a treasure trove, you can have AI. But of course, and to answer your question, Chris, about what we focus on, it's really not about the technology. I think you can see that I absolutely love technology, but at the end of the day, we are in business and we must apply technology, including cutting edge technology like AI today, in service of a company's strategy and vision. And that is the most important question to ask in deploying AI. What is our strategy and what is our vision? And then look at AI and other technologies for that matter, as a way to help us get to that vision better, faster, enduring the relevance that we have had for many years and continuing the competitive advantage that we have had. Yeah, I, I love that Katya. And, and I also love your enthusiasm and, and share it. And I think what's, what's interesting um, both for you and for George is there's really, let's call it three to four big use cases when we think about connecting that strategy ultimately to the technology. And what we see is people starting the conversation around, how do I improve the way I compete from an operational effectiveness and efficiency? Where do I automate? How do I streamline my operations? How do I enable scale in a more exponential fashion? The second is how do I invent new products, but within my existing business model? How do I amplify or augment? And the third becomes how do I extend into new business models, because perhaps the one that I'm in, whether it's uh, denim jeans or originating uh, loans and, and mortgages, may or may not be the, look the same 10 years from now. And George, um, you were at Capital One, you were the CTO of Capital One before taking the post as CIO at Loan Depot. So you've seen large scale in the financial services, and you came to Loan Depot, which uh, some may not know is only a 14-year-old company. In many ways, it's it's a financial services startup. And so there's opportunity, but also growing pains. And I'm curious, George, as you think about those three areas of uh, 
operational effectiveness, new offerings, and, and new business models. How have you connected uh, pursuing data and AI to, to Lone Depot strategy? Great question, Chris. And, and I share uh, in Katya's enthusiasm. I think uh, many of our loan officers and customers uh, at, at Loan Depot share in the enthusiasm as well. Um, and you know, our, our mission is simple. You know, we are in the business of helping people realize their dream of home ownership. Uh, really important mission, and it's also uh, you know it's so foundational for many people uh, across the country and across the across the world. It's the single biggest financial investment they'll make in their lives. Uh, and while we're you know well short of the hundred years plus that uh, Katya and Katya's organization is running, Capital One was only twice the twice the age of uh, of Loan Depot. So uh, I, I'll I'll draw examples really from both in in this conversation today. But let me let me uh, touch on the point as it relates to Loan Depot and how we think about uh, this 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 role of kind of providing a mortgage. So there's you know when you look at kind of that that origination process for mortgage today, you know somebody who's entering into uh, you know, buying a new home and and maybe they're a first time home buyer and they you know they don't really understand a lot a lot about the products or offerings or even you know how well qualified they are or not. There are many applications both at the front end if you think about sort of you know the, a a customer getting educated uh, and, and and in many ways you know technologies like ChatGPT actually lower the barriers because it's very intimidating if you think if you put yourself from a customer perspective. And and really empathize with their situation if they're not if they're first time home buyer and they're not sure about uh, what it you know whether or not they're qualified you know their 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 willingness to kind of reach out to somebody and even have a conversation somebody that's very informed about mortgage products uh, might be you know gated by that 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 insecurity and so so you know tools like ChatGPT I think offer a way for customers to get informed um, even before they have their first conversation with a with a mortgage officer in any way, shape or form. So to me, that's very powerful. And, and you know, I would just encourage, I'm sure everybody on this call has done this. I've been, and our, our loan officers are experimenting like crazy with, uh, with chat GPT. And, uh, and there's a lot of scenarios you can, you can, you can go through. And if you imagine, and in my lifetime, I've, I've lived in many different locations. Uh, you know, I've moved home probably 12 times over the course of my professional career, uh, different coasts, different countries. Uh, that I've lived in, and you think about if you if just imagine that journey as an example. Um, you've got to, you know, you're figuring out you don't know the area, you don't know the the locale, you don't know what you can afford in that locale, you don't know what the schools are like in the, that locale. And if you go through sort of, you know, in our current mindset, working with the search engines that we have at our disposal today, it's a fairly um, painful process to get answers to questions. And so there's a lot of friction in getting to, you know, really the insights the consumers want to get to. And I think that's the first best use case and why I'm so excited about, you know, ChatGPT getting incorporated into Bing and, and uh, you know, and, and, and what that might result in in Google's answer to that with, uh, with their, with their um, competitive offering as well. So I think that only improves the condition for consumers. And for us, it gets, it gets people that are coming in the doors that are more informed uh, in their first interaction with uh, either with our digital, you know, the digital interaction with us or, you know, in speaking with a loan officer, whether it's in person or, or over a phone. So that is very powerful from a, an engagement perspective and what that could mean in the future. Uh, and I think it just makes for better consumers, better informed decisions uh, and better outcomes for them at the end of the day, which is what we're, we're, we're all about. Um, you know, yeah. from a, inside the factory and kind of how the factory runs, there's, there's the time it takes to, to get a loan approved, that, that uh, process when you submit an application through to, uh, to, to when a loan is approved. 
you know, for a typical mortgage company, it will take, or a bank, it'll take um, anywhere from 30 to 45 days uh, on average to kind of, you know, get full turn time on a, on, a, on a loan. And there's a lot of friction in that process. So whether you think about income verification, you know, data requirements that we have of consumers as they're applying for these, you know, these, these, these big loans, you can, we can take a lot of friction out of the process, uh, you know, through applications of, of AI and, and even making the roles that our, our uh, mortgage processors play, our mortgage underwriters play in particular. Um, and that's going to be really important uh, for the future of the industry as well, because if you think about it, you know, for those that are more familiar with the mortgage industry, it is very cyclical. Um, and as rates go, rates go up, you know, the, the number of originations go down. And as rates are down, you know, then originations go up. And as a result, you wind up um, staffing up and, 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 you know, kind of increasing and decreasing staffing, both on the loan officer side uh, and in the operation side in supporting those, those kind of peaks and, and, and valleys in demand. Right. And we want to take as much of that sort of, um, you know, kind of gyration out of the process. And I think that's really where, when you think about both on the, on the operation side, we can get to more automated, uh, you know, kind of human uh, assisted uh, decisioning uh, on the underwriting side that makes it really easy for a, a skilled underwriter to not have to spend as much time on an individual mortgage file and get to better quality outcomes, which benefits us. We don't lose as much money if, the, you know, if there's a mistake that's made. Um, and, uh, and it also helps the customer get to, uh, get to a, uh, a, you know, a, an outcome that they want, which is an approved mortgage as quickly as possible. Yeah, lo love those examples, George. Thank you so much for, for sharing them. And, and Katya, you highlighted that Levi's is, is a company with a deep heritage. And on the one hand, around AI, I think there is this intimidation factor. And maybe the consumerization of it will start to shift the mindset. But we called this panel Becoming an AI Company, which in and of itself may be a big mindset shift for many organizations. It could feel like this esoteric thing that should be left to the to the Microsoft and the Googles of the world. But if, if we do that, we're just gonna be uh, living in a monopoly where other people control our destiny. And I think you have a point of view that, that any company that really wants to compete should be thinking about how to become an AI company. But where to start is often the challenging part, whether it's on preparing the data, whether it's on introducing the technology or it's around the talent strategy. And I'm curious whether it's at Vodafone, your prior, uh, role before Levi's or, or here with Levi's. Can you share some examples of how you went about introducing the mindset and setting the organization up for that journey? Certainly, but before I go into that, I did want to point out probably the most important application of AI, which we did not specifically identify. But of course, George talked a lot about it because George and I share at least one employee in common, Fidelity Investments, which is the original FinTech company. And it has always been very focused, laser focus on this most important uh, area of applying technology, which is improving the customer experience and providing an ease of doing business. So that should be the most important focus. And that goes to answering the question about where to start. If our customers and consumers do not feel the impact of our investment in AI, then it's not worth doing. And I'll give you some examples. So remember the four P's of marketing? Remember what they were? Yes. Product, price, placement, and promotion. Now, in a modern business, through AI, we have the new four P's of customer experience, and that is predictive, proactive, 
personalized and precise, well, all well. thanks to AI. And even a company like Levi's that does not have the daily necessarily, or is not expected to have the daily interactions that uh, George is giving as an example, uh, even in a company like Levi's, uh, we have actually applied AI very much on improving the customer experience, the consumer experience, whether it's personalized communications to make sure that our consumers, our fans, as we call them, are truly engaged and get communications that is relevant to them and engage them further, or customizing the assortment in our physical stores until recently, if you were going to Italy, for example, you would see the same exact assortment in all 40 stores across the country. Today, because we have been using consumer data and applying to that machine learning, we have been able to fully customize the assortment in various stores, including stores in the same city, for example, the city of Rome, where the center has a very different assortment focused on the tourist populations versus the store that's in the suburbs frequented by younger consumers who are locals. Um, and in the past, Milan, for example, which is north of Rome, had the same assortment. But what we have found out through AI is that even one degree Celsius difference in climate can make a big difference in what consumers buy. So mm -hmm. these are very meaningful applications and I can go on and on. Also how we are applying AI to our loyalty program, we're deepening the fanhood of our consumers where every single benefit that is applied and offered to our consumers is fully individualized. For example, someone who is into music may get tickets to a music concert. Another consumer who is into new products will get early access to our new collections. Or a consumer who is very dedicated to sustainability would be able to get a session in our tailor shop for repair. So those are some, some examples. So to go, to go back to your question about where does a company start? Because every company today has to become an AI company. We start with how we started this panel. We start with the vision of the company. What is it in today's company, in its status today, in what's it, what it's trying to achieve that's really important? Sometimes people ask um, or say things like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what questions to ask. But the answer is very simple. The vision and the strategy are those of the business or the organization overall. And the questions are the same questions that would keep its leadership and employees up at night. What problems are there to solve? And what opportunities are there for us to seize? And that's where we'll start applying machine learning, AI, and any new technology for that matter. So we start with the vision and then we begin to put together the building blocks. And they're the usual building blocks, the people, the processes, the data, and the technologies. And it takes time to assemble those. So what's most important is that while we are putting these in place, we also, at the very same time, start delivering value at the same time, in parallel. This is not about an approach of let's lay the foundation, let's have the perfect data platform, let's have pristine and clear data. Uh, by the time that happens, and by the, by the way, that will never happen because data is never pristine, but right. even if we are to be that ambitious, by the time that happens, the world would have moved on, technologies would have advanced further, 
CFOs would have lost their patience and funding would have disappeared, which is why it is absolutely essential that anyone embarking on this today focuses on delivering value immediately. Now, how do you do that? It is very much like an investment portfolio. We look at the quick wins. Where can I get this immediate cash? Even if it's not the most exciting or sexy application, but it gives us a way to show value today. At the same time, we also identify truly transformative applications that may take a little bit longer and would have a lot more return on investment. Uh, and we want to make sure we balance both of those. And of course, as we work on this, we communicate, we educate, we upskill. All of this has to happen at once. You know, consultants and a lot of educators even have this Again, very clear and pristine vision of how things should work, but the world is not that way. And the, the vision that is sometimes shown or the picture is very linear and stepwise. First you do this, and then you do that, and then you do something else. But in fact, we are living and implementing a capability like this in a very busy, imagine a tremendously busy LA highway with all of the roads going all at the same time, very busy with lots of traffic. That is what building a new AI capability in a company is. You have to make sure you do all of these things at once, identify the strategy, start building the people, processes, data and technology, start deploying the applications and by all means, show me the money. <laughs> love, love that. And uh, uh, George B in Southern California has probably recently been on one of those highways that, that you're referencing. And George, one thing that you and Katya have in common, in addition to a stint at Fidelity, is you both led large talent upskilling efforts. Uh, Katya has done something around sort of an AI boot camp at Levi's, which I'll come back to shortly. But at Capital One, you led an enormous effort to really reskill the company on a whole host of technical uh, paradigms. And I'm wondering, George, if you can sort of talk about this getting started when you're going through really a technological shift within an organization that just buying the skill set isn't enough and you can't wait long enough to hire it all and you just have to reskill. Um, can you talk, George, about how you've tackled that in the past? And then Katya, I'd love for you to add your example as well. Sure. And I, I think what I'll talk about uh, Capital One will be highly complementary to what Katya has already talked about. So, um, you know, one of the things we realized early on in, in Capital One, and I joined in 2014, this was pre-cloud, uh, you know, pre a lot of the big digital transformation inside the company. The only thing that was really underway uh, meaningfully was an agile transformation uh, prior to my joining. And so as we contemplated what was a uh, was going to be a, a very robust multi-year strategy to get all in on the public cloud. And again, we formulated that in 2014 and began you know, kind of activating that in 2015. Um, we recognized very quickly that um, the tools, the technologies um, that had supported the business through its first 20 years of existence uh, were not gonna be sufficient. And, uh, and also the skill sets, the types of people we were gonna need were not, were, they're just, they're, there's a scarcity in the marketplace when you're looking for, uh, you know, skills in a new and emerging area. And so you, you, um, you very quickly realize, even though you know you're going to need to hire some people outside, you very quickly come to the realization that um, retooling the people that you have and preparing them for that journey is going to both get them excited about the journey and it's going to get the, the business outcomes that you're trying to achieve. And so, you know, we set on very early on, we launched um, under my sponsorship, uh, the 
the tech college in uh, inside of Capital One. And, and the tech college, just to Katia's point, was, was tied very directly to the business strategy. We spent a lot of time in the company formulating business strategy every single year. It's a rigorous process inside the company. Um, and we made sure that the, the key focus areas for the tech college, which was really targeting more than technologists, it was tech and business college, uh, you know, to really make sure that our business leaders and our technologists were prepared for where the company was going and not feeling left behind in the process. And that value proposition was very powerfully received inside the company, because again, to a person, uh, if you're supporting a technology, mainframe-based technology, a database technology, an analytical platform that is uh, no longer in vogue for one, one, way, you know, for one reason or another, uh, to know that your company is gonna meet you where you are and provide you the training and the tooling to get you from here to there, um, that's an exciting proposition for any individual, especially you know the kind of people we hire, which are you know lifelong learners. They're you know intellectually curious. They want to uh, stay up to date. It's good for them. It's good for the company. It keeps yeah. them you know very marketable. And and so that's uh, you know we did that. And we focused on ML, data, uh, cloud, security, uh, engineering, mobile. We had like six discipline areas when we first launched the college. Obviously, I'm sure it's changed uh, in the time I've left the company, but it, those were big and important changes. And we had to make sure that our our entire talent base was uh, was kind of locked in the journey with us. And uh, and so I could go into more about that, but it's a you know it's a it was a very structured process. We had deans over every one of the there was a school for every one of those areas, a school of focus with an expert inside the company that was assigned to that and building the curriculum. And we brought our business leaders and we brought our, our technologists through and we supported them with getting external certifications and everything that they would need to, to really make sure that they were um, equipped for where we were going. A quick note on the talent. The most important thing about the transformation in technology are the people and think of upskilling as CRISPR. You're introducing something that ultimately changes the DNA of an organism. Now that's transformation. Thank you, Chris. Love that. George, Katya, thank you so much. This was, uh, we could have gone for hours. Uh, this was a fantastic conversation, really practical advice, starting with the strategy, focus on uh, how you really put the customer experience at the center. And if you work around that, everything else will start to fall into place. Address the people, process technology, data and of course make sure that you're addressing the talent if you don't have a plan for your talent over the long term because this truly is a long-term game it's not just about an overnight success uh, uh, that's the only way to be successful so george and katya thank you again